0: Good morning everybody. I'm very happy to be speaking to all of you again, even if it's just online. Of course, the church is more than a building, but I miss seeing you all in church and I look forward to the time when we can all gather and worship together. Although we're all still connected in many ways, watching something on a screen is not the same as being together with friends and family. Some people may be able to glue their eyes to a screen the whole day and think that is heavenly. But I can't. I'm sure the kingdom of God is very different from that. So today we want to continue with our series on the kingdom of God, and I want to particularly look at forgiveness and mercy. The text for today is Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 42, Luke chapter 6, and I'm going to read it out to you in the English Standard Version. This is what Jesus said from verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, Do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, Take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we look to your word now and to your son, we ask you to speak to all our hearts and give us understanding. Amen. Ooh, this is a tough passage. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. The famous evangelical scholar F.F. Bruce wrote a book about 40 years ago with the title Hard Sayings of Jesus. And Love Your Enemies was number 16. But I'm sure for many Christians, including me, it could be number one, the saying of Jesus that is the hardest to obey. This whole passage, however, makes it clear that loving our enemies includes forgiving them. Love is not just a feeling. Forgiveness is at the core of Christianity. We are all sinners, whether we want to admit it or not. But because of what Jesus did, all our sins are forgiven and we move from death into life. But it can still be so difficult to forgive. I mean, sometimes when I think about it, I can still remember the wrongs some people had done to me decades ago. And when I think about them today, I feel the sense of anger and injustice towards some other. Sometimes I wonder if I have really forgiven them. But Jesus doesn't just say, forgive your enemies. He says, love them. How can you love your enemy? You know, many years ago, I had some colleagues Uh, who accused me of doing something I didn't do. Something had happened, they didn't know who did it. Somehow suspicion fell on me and they came up with the most amazingly convoluted thinking, the most crazy reasoning to point the finger at me. Some of them tried to make life difficult, miserable for me. And I was shocked and I fell into a funk. Is this any way for Christians to behave, I thought. It wasn't easy to forgive them, especially when they were still trying to take revenge It was impossible to love them. But I tried. I didn't speak bad about them to others, only to my wife. I prayed that I would forgive them. And I had to forgive them because it is a command from Jesus. That's the first thing this passage tells us about forgiveness, that it is a command. We must forgive because Jesus commands it. In today's passage, verse 27, it says clearly, Love your enemies. The verb love here is in the imperative. It is a command. Jesus repeats it in verse 35 Love your enemies. It isn't easy. It may take time, but we must do it. Now, I've said this before in an earlier sermon, but it bears repeating. When Jesus tells us to love our enemies, it doesn't necessarily mean we must have a nice feeling about them. Because in the Bible, love is expressed in action. So when we love our enemies, we act rightly towards them, no matter how we feel. Jesus doesn't demand we forget about the hurts. He doesn't ask us to develop feelings that aren't there. Jesus commands us to act rightly towards our enemies. As he says here in this passage, do good to them. Years after the incident I just told you about, one of the people involved in it came up to me and told me earnestly, almost smugly, I thought, that he didn't hold any grudge against me for what happened. And my first reaction was a great swelling within of indignation. You guys were the ones at fault. You should be worried whether I have a grudge against you. And this flashed across my mind but immediately I felt God saying to me, forgive. There was no voice, just a wave of peace flowing through me. In my mind, I remember thinking, what a wonderful opportunity to bury the hatchet. And it couldn't have taken more than one or two seconds for all of this to happen, because suddenly it didn't matter who was in the right. And I nodded, and I offered my hand. And without hesitation, he reached out too, and we shook hands. Since then, we have been alright. Sometimes when I speak up in a meeting and make a point, he supports me. Sometimes when he speaks up and makes a point, I support him. I thank God for that opportunity to forgive. Around that same time, another one of the gang leaders then got into trouble himself. And I made it a point to go up to him to commiserate with him and offer my support. I said I was sorry this happened to him and I was. But later, this gang leader tried some shenanigans to make life difficult for me, and I was surprised because I thought he would remember that I had tried to stand by him. But as I thought about it, I realised that was all I was, surprised. I was not angry or even disappointed, and I discovered that I had really forgiven him. There was no more sense of injustice or grudge. I'm aware that he still might try something in the future against me. But I have forgiven him and will forgive him. We must forgive because Jesus commands it. Now all this wasn't easy. It took some time. But it wasn't, as it turned out, impossible. I could do it because God is with me. And I know he forgives me. He will forgive me. I can forgive because I am a child of God, and God gives me power to forgive. So the second thing this passage tells us about forgiveness is that we can forgive because God empowers us. In verses 35 and 36 it says, But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. Because he's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. We are children of the Most High, it says here. And if God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked, then we just have to be like our Heavenly Father. After all, God forgives us, even though we don't deserve it. You know, there's this story about uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, Emperor of France 200 years ago. He was once approached by a mother whose son had been sentenced to death. She begged the emperor for a pardon for a son. Napoleon pointed out that it was the man's second offence, and justice demanded he be executed. The mom pleaded, I'm not asking for justice, I'm begging for mercy. And Napoleon said, but your son doesn't deserve mercy. And the mother replied, it wouldn't be mercy if he deserved it. And Napoleon spared the son. We don't deserve mercy. We deserve justice. But God gives us mercy. God doesn't punish us for our sins. Instead, he loves us and adopts us into his family. God gives us mercy. So we should be merciful to others forgiving them. And we can do this through the Holy Spirit who works in us. We are not alone in this. God has given us his spirit that enables us to fulfill Jesus' commands. Now, I've been to both the Anne Frank house in Amsterdam and the Corrie ten Boom house in Harlem, Holland. Anne Frank, you may know, was a young Jewish girl who hid from the Nazis for two years during World War II until her family was betrayed and arrested and sent to die in the concentration camps. Anne Frank's father, Otto Frank, was the only survivor. Anne and her sister, Margot, died in Bergen-Belsen concentration camp. And we know of Anne Frank because after the war, her father, Otto, published uh, his daughter's diary. The thing that struck me when I visited the museum was that after the war, The father tried very hard to find out who had betrayed the family. It had to be someone they knew. And Otto spent years trying to identify the traitor. There was a display detailing his efforts, and I could sense and share his anger and need for justice or vengeance. But Otto never found out who betrayed them, and he died of cancer in 1980. Not far from Amsterdam, Corrie ten Boom lived in the town of Harlem. She was a Christian watchmaker, not a young girl, but a woman in her 40s when the Germans invaded. Corrie ten Boom and her family hid Jews from the Nazis in a secret room in their home. They called it the hiding place. And for two years, the ten Booms hid Jews until a Dutch informant betrayed them. The family was arrested, but the Jews were not found and they escaped. But Corrie and her sister Betsy were sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp where Betsy died. Corrie was unexpectedly released before she could be killed but her father Casper and at least one more relative died in the hands of the Nazis. Corrie wrote a book after the war. The title of the book was The Hiding Place and in the book She writes, It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him. The former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at her concentration camp. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there, the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain blanched face. And he came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. "To think that, as you say, Jesus has washed my sins away. And Cory writes, his hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people the need to forgive, <laughs> kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing. Not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for the stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered, writes Corey, that it is not our forgiveness any more than our goodness that the world's healing hinges but on Christ. Corey says, when Jesus tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. Jesus gives us the love to forgive our enemies. Otto Frank could not forgive his family's betrayal, but Corrie ten Boom forgave her SS jailer. I think Jesus made The difference so we can forgive because god empowers us but why do we have to love and forgive just to be like our father i think we have to forgive because this is god's new kingdom in his commentary on this text my favorite theologian bishop nt wright tells the story of a student of david flusser David Flusser was a leading Jewish scholar who studied early Christianity. But as he was an Orthodox Jew in Israel, he obviously arrived at different conclusions about Jesus. And as Bishop Wright says, not everybody approved of his scholarship. So the story is that one of David Flusser's students was a visiting student at another university. And he was given a low mark by the professor there Simply because he was Flussler's student. But sometime later, one of that professor's students came to study with Flusser. And although his work was not very good, Flusser insisted on giving his opponent's student an A. His teaching assistant complained. How can you do that? Particularly after what the other professor had done. And Flussler said, give him an A. This I've learned from Jesus. N.T. Wright says that the kingdom Jesus preached was all about a glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. Think of the best thing you can do for the worst person and go ahead and do it. It is all about new life bursting out and startling people. N.T. Wright wrote that Jesus tried to inculcate in his followers a likeness of spirit in the face of all that the world can throw at you. So no matter what kind of enemies you face, no matter what people try to do to you, no matter how bad this world is for you, how bad this pandemic is, we can have an attitude of the heart that reflects that this is still God's kingdom. And God was generous, God is generous to everyone, overly generous, exceedingly merciful, surprisingly loving. Anti-right wrote that if we believed, uh, that if we lived in a society where everyone believed in this God, there wouldn't be any violence, there wouldn't be any revenge, there wouldn't be any divisions of class or caste. Property and possession wouldn't be nearly as important as making sure your neighbor was all right. Jesus tried to live out that version of God. He spoke of the extravagant love. Of the Father. When they slapped him on the cheek and took the clothes off his back, Jesus asked his father to forgive them. Jesus went on loving and forgiving, just as he had done throughout his life. So we must forgive because Jesus commands it. We can forgive because God empowers us, and we have to forgive because this is. God's new kingdom. That's how the things are in God's kingdom. Today's passage ends with a reminder by Jesus. The picture about the speck of dust in someone's eye, but the plank of wood in our own. A very appropriate example from a carpenter. Very often we only see what others do to us, but we ignore what we do to others. So I want to end by asking you, To think not just of who has wronged you that you should forgive, but whom have you wronged and need to ask forgiveness from. Is that not loving your enemies as well? Maybe have someone hold you accountable for doing that. The other question I leave you to ponder, maybe discuss is: How can we cultivate a lightness of spirit to take whatever the world can throw at us? How can we view the world with love, generosity and mercy? In other words, as God sees it. So remember, we must forgive because Jesus commands it. We can forgive because God empowers us. And we have to forgive because this is God's new kingdom. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the example of Jesus We thank you that you have loved us and forgiven us. Father, we ask you, please, teach us to love and forgive others. Let your love, grace and peace flow through us to others. Teach us, Lord, to be the people you want us to be. Help us to be so loving and forgiving that all who see us may know that we are your children. We pray this,